When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Fish Stripes Unfiltered, episode number 16. My name is Azigazoo, and we are recording this on April 6, 2022, the day before the Major League Baseball season is slated to commence. Before I introduce our spectacular guests, I'll start off with my great co-host, Kevin Baral. Kevin, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. I mean, you know, when the people are watching this or listening to this, it's opening day. Marlins are in San Francisco, Sandy Alcantara against Logan Webb. Uh, we'll be doing our, our nice little live stream people may have watched already depending on the time but we have a great special guest today and, uh, and i'll let you introduce him man yeah he needs no introduction but i'll do it for him anyway he is the host of miami mike dub the co-host and producer of one of our favorite podcasts swings and mishes the digital host and reporter for valley sports florida and probably most importantly the marlins twitter madness champion ucf <laughs> alum jeremy tache jeremy long time no see man thanks so much for coming on it's so great to be here with you guys, and uh, thank you for that very kind introduction. You know, when you say all those things out loud in such a kind way, it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is super cool, and happy opening day, everybody, as you're, uh, as you're paying attention. I hope you're, you're excited for our coverage over on Valley Sports. So, yeah, uh, yeah and, and I hope you're enjoying that game either, you know, in a few minutes from now or maybe you're watching this after the fact, which would be a really interesting but cool choice of you. Yeah, uh, you can't go wrong. Major League Baseball said, like I said, to start tomorrow afternoon. I think some games were postponed already due to inclement weather. But, Jeremy, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, you know, a month and a half ago, I think there was almost no certainty that this season would start on time. We had no idea that we were going to get any sort of Major League Baseball so how great is it that, hey, we're finally here. Tomorrow there's going to be Major League Baseball happening. I have been in such a good mood all day because it finally does feel like that. Like today specifically as we're talking here on Wednesday, like it's been so awesome to, to know, okay, hey, baseball's coming along. It's going to be a full season and – 
And we're just going to experience what I think we all were a little worried wouldn't happen this year, which is just a full season of Major League Baseball. And and from a Marlins perspective, with what the last few years have been with sort of like the up and downs, particularly the last two years and the way that they've kind of gone, gone differently. And you had pandemic baseball in the middle of all of it to sort of be like, all right, everything is sort of back to normal from from that standpoint, from a league perspective. You know, even from from the media side, we're getting to be around the guys in a more intimate way now, um, you know, just by being back in the clubhouse. Like there's just so much more um, to look forward to in a real baseball season. And so when it was in jeopardy, it was awful. (laughs) You know, nobody nobody wanted this season to be cut short and to know that we're now going to get the full slate after a shortened spring training. Like it's kind of snuck up on us here, at least for me, you know, covering a couple of other sports as well. So it's been Really exciting, um, and I yeah, I just can't wait for baseball. Yeah, man. I mean, let's let's get into baseball with the Marlins. I mean, they had an interesting off season. Definitely the best one since Jeter and Sherman came in, but Jeter did leave. So <laughs> let's talk about the moves in general. Um, let's grade this off season in, in a way. You know, describe to us what your thoughts were on all the moves made, starting with Lewis Head and ending it <laughs> off with the most recent new marlin cole solcer so let's get right into that and then i think isaac will give us great and i will as well yeah i mean look the the marlins made an, a, a number of moves and and obviously as we've sort of gone through i'm, I'm sure that i don't need to you know matric matriculate through every single one of them but i would say that in general their ability here and, and these last couple of moves in particular um solidified this as a solid offseason right like this was this was a good offseason for the Miami Marlins like whether whether it was what everyone necessarily wanted it to be in a particular way some people wanted one star signed right as opposed to maybe a couple of you know solid players a couple of you know plus players guys who elevate your roster in Jorge Soler in Avisael Garcia but I, I mean, to me, when you look at just the difference right now from where the Marlins stood last year and particularly at the end of last year to where they are right now, there's no way to say it's anything worse than a B, right? Like it was a, I, I would probably say it's like a B to a B plus of, of an offseason and, and depending on what certain players do in terms of the way that they perform. Um, one guy who I really don't think, um, you know, should be, should be underestimated in terms of what that move was, was for Joey Wendell. I think Joey Wendell is going to play a lot and I think he's going to make a huge impact on this team. Um, And, and the biggest thing that, and I was thinking about it earlier this morning, but the biggest thing that when I look at their off season that I can sit here and think about, and now that Brian De La Cruz, at least, you know, according to reports is going to be on the opening day roster. We look at a team with real depth. We look at a team that, can perform this season from positions of strength. They can play guys who are playing well. And if they're not playing well, they have other options. They can play guys based off matchups. And those splits aren't so drastic to where really, you know, putting in the right-handed hitter to replace a left-handed hitter or vice versa in a platoon. Sometimes for the Marlins last year was really just about getting one guy a day off and playing someone who was significantly worse. Now, when those things happen, that's that's not going to be the drop-off, right? You're going to be playing guys who are actually in the lineup for their strengths 100% of the time. You have a gold glove catcher behind the plate. 
which is a giant upgrade from where you were last year defensively behind the plate. And so to, to look at what this team looks like now, it has me excited for the season. And do I think that they're going to win the division? No, I think projecting that right now would be, you know, it would be too much. It would be an overstatement and it wouldn't be accurate to, to analyze the team. But do I think that like, if everything goes right, this could be a team that's, you know, competing through September and at least, you know, making a run at a playoff spot. Sure. Why not? Because there are enough pieces that are interchangeable that, that especially with what they've acquired this off season, that, that make you believe in the potential of this team. And so again, a lot would need to go right for that to happen. Right. Or, Rather, an avoiding of so many things going wrong. I think when we look at the last two years, maybe you split the difference. In 2020, everything went right. Like, I mean, of course, that's after 60% of the team caught COVID in the middle yeah. of like a very scary time. So to say everything went right, maybe is revisionist history. But from there, it felt like every bounce, right? That Baltimore series, everything went right for the Marlins. And last year, everything went wrong. Nobody was healthy at the same time. Trades needed to happen. All of these things that that ultimately went down for the Marlins, it felt like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And so now, if you split the difference even with the school, the skill that's been acquired, you got to imagine this is a much better Marlins team this season. Definitely, this is. And and I and I was telling Isaac and some of the other guys off camera that this is probably the best team that we've seen in the past, you know, five years with Jeter and um, Sherman taking over. So going into the next question um jorge soler signed with the team three years 36 million two opt-outs after the first season and the second season um this wasn't the perfect fit at the time for the team as you know we have avisael jesus and then brian de la cruz noah's guy who um you know who we were expected to see in center field but jorge soler can't play center field avisael can't play it correct well and now we know jesus sanchez who's going to be the center fielder after okay spring it wasn't the greatest one he will be in center field. So what are your thoughts on the Solaire signing and how do you think, you know, him being Cuban will help the community possibly even fill up the stands in Lone Depot? Yeah, I mean, look, anytime um, I'll start there first and then work my way back toward his impact in the lineup. That That's always fun, right? And like the Marlins are really focusing on, and, and this is not from a roster state, like they didn't sign Jorge Soler because he's Cuban. Right. Like that's like, let's put that yeah. out there. Let's like make that abundantly clear to begin with. Right. But yeah. having guys who can relate to people within the community is only a good thing. Um, and the Marlins are trying to essentially um, it feels like they're trying to be a team that is hyper local. And I think that that's like it, it just in the way that you look around, like you look at the stadium, you look at the food and, and the local options that exist within the stadium now that aren't your traditional ballpark food. There's all sorts of Hispanic twists on meals you know, th there's there's a ton of different things that are making the Marlins want to feel hyper local. And so the idea that you're bringing in guys who can relate to the people within the community is is just an added bonus to the player who you brought in. And so when you look at the player who you brought in in Jorge Soler, it, the guy can mash, you know what I mean? And 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 it's particularly cool news, given the fact that yeah, Soler power, uh, given the fact that I, I think he's going to be your leadoff hitter. Like, and, and I, I think that that's playing to a more modern lineup that the Marlins really haven't been able to put together over the last few years. Um, when, when you look at, um, the sort of traditional way in which they were 
laying out their order in the last few years because you didn't necessarily have guys who could thrive at the top of the order who were also full of power like Jorge Soler. And so, like you guys said, at the moment, I think uh, when Soler signed, everyone was still in that mode of, hey, trade for a center fielder, sign a center fielder. You know, there were specific names that people were growing attached to. There were also other power hitting options that people had been attached to who had signed in the previous couple of days before. And so it became, oh, whoa, what's going to happen, right? Um, To me, Jorge Soler is a fit in that, obviously, given what the... (laughs) what the Marlins have have shown us based off their spring training and what they're going into the season with. They view Jesus Sanchez's athleticism in center field as enough to get by in playing center field that it's not going to cost them games given what he can give them at the plate. That's the decision they've made there, especially considering, and this is the part about having Brian De La Cruz that, that does actually like genuinely excite me about him being on a roster <laughs> is that when he's a late inning replacement, like I'm not afraid to have him go up to hit. Right. Right. Like, like he's a, he's a legitimate hitter. He's a legitimate, I'm, to, in my view, he's a legitimate major league hitter. And coming out of the last season, I was like, Hey, if they don't do anything in the outfield, I'm cool. He's playing center field every day. I'd love to see it for the first couple of months. Right. Like that was the mood I was in when last season ended. So to know that he's your true like fourth outfielder mm-hmm. and then Brian Anderson is going to be used sort of all over the place in this, yep. you know, Chris Bryant light type of way. If we're going to go based off Donnie's words, right. Based off the, <laughs> at least the description of, of athleticism, right? Like, and that's fair. That's fair in terms of, you know, if you want to go athleticism, but like if Brian De La Cruz is good like that, Hey, hot take Brian De La Cruz good at baseball and so having him as as your fourth outfielder where now if if for some reason jesus sanchez is struggling not significantly but is just not a natural center fielder and you want a late inning replacement there's the guy and if for some reason jesus sanchez cannot play center field and it it becomes abundantly clear well then the marlins have to then figure out their platoons from there and Brian De La Cruz becomes that guy on the everyday, at least I would imagine. And then they'll have to figure out what they do with that DH spot and the corner outfields between Garcia, Soler, Aguilar, and Cooper. But it's kind of a good problem to have, right? That that you do, that you do have options after. And I'm not saying it's a good problem to have that that you don't know for sure that your center fielder can man center field the way that you would like. But it at least is good that now, again, because of the guys they've brought in, and this goes back to the Solaire signing, right? That's just a good baseball player. That's another good guy that's going to be in your lineup. So we'll figure out how to get him in there later. And I think it's almost like looking at 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 some of these teams that have 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 done it before. You look even at at teams like the Rays, who they don't really decide anybody's playing any specific position, and their benefit has been they've had certain cornerstones that have been gold glovers and that's made up for any other deficiencies but they've just tried to bring the best out of the guys that they already have and that's that's what the marlins are trying to do here so um i don't know i I think they're in a a decent spot yeah that's what made it really peculiar that they had originally originally sent dlc down because i think not only the defensive replacement thing you've mentioned it offensively let's say if jesus sanchez having a really tough day at the plate over three or three days and a you know a top-notch left-handed reliever comes in josh Hader. 
You can also just plug in Brian De La Cruz, who you know is going to give up a good at-bat as well, and he can hold his own in center. So I think the way the roster ended up coming out and traveling to San Francisco as we speak, I think it's perfect. Obviously, it's not like the perfect fitting roster because you lack that center field center fielder and you have a couple of corner outfield first baseman types, but the DH helps in a myriad of ways. Another reason why the team's going to be, I think, at least has a high floor for this season is the rotation. You obviously yeah, have course. the big three. And Luzardo is seems primed for a big breakout season. Max Meyer, I thought I think you were watching last night, shoved a bunch of Red Sox top prospects, including Jeter Downs, Tristan Casas, and he looked phenomenal. The two runs he gave up were sort of like they're strange in a way. It was a hit bat hit batter and a wild pitch. Where would you like to see Max Meyer to begin? Obviously he's gonna be in AAA, but how soon would you like him in the major leagues? Oh man, and that's where? such a that's such a tough question. I I love that dude. I'm obsessed yeah. with Max Meyer. I think that he's going to be a terrific major league pitcher. Um, and you know, it's a it's a complicated question that you ask when <laughs> when you say when would I like to see Max Meyer? Because I think it it truly is dependent on the first month of the season's results um, for the Marlins, right? Because right. if the Marlins get off to you know a really slow start then there's no reason to to rush the kid um but at the same time like to me my, my feeling almost always is if someone's ready if it's abundantly clear that a person is ready to play at the major league level we should just be playing them at the major league level like every that's every team across major league baseball but this is all that mindset also operates in a bubble right and when you do look at the marlins they have a specific rotation and the five guys that are supposed to be there deserve to be there you know they're major league pitchers so there is a bit of a log jam right like so if all is if all is going according to plan from a health perspective but not from a record perspective and you've got this healthy starting rotation right of all of these guys but you've just sort of started slow they're not going to rush max meyer up but say say the marlins start kind of hot and say there's one or two starters you know, who were just pitching okay. Yeah. Would I be shocked if we saw Max Meyer in May? No, I, I mean, I wouldn't. Like, because he's that good. And there's no reason why you don't just immediately... Like, to me, if... The way I view it, if you're the Marlins in particular, right? And you look at a 162-game season and you look at your rotation. If you get off to one of those types of starts where it's like 20 and 10, Right, something like that, where you just get off to a blistering hot start, and that again, this is all hypothetical, right? That's probably not how this is gonna go. I wish it did, right? I, it, it might, but I would hope that they're playing at least five hundred ball, right? But but say they're they're even five or six games above five hundred at the end of a month, and they're sitting right near the top of the division. Essentially, the game from there is okay play about 500 baseball the rest of the season and you're going to and you're in you're going to make the playoffs yeah so why not now add something that's electric to your rotation and just start rolling out as much talent as you can so that that would go with the same deal if you know if any hitters who were at that level at the AAA level were just blistering hot bring them up man make them yeah. a part of it because i think now the marlins have shown like all right, they they have spent some money here, so they want to. Wh wh no matter how much money that is, they've spent money. 
And that means they want to win more right now. So go ahead and start adding any talent. To me, why not start adding talent that can help you win? To me, the five guys that are there deserve to be there. And so there's no reason that Max Meyer should be in the opening day rotation, right? right? All five guys who are in that starting rotation deserve to be there. And I have no issue with starting Max Meyer in AAA. But if and when the time comes that it makes sense to bring him up and you think it can upgrade your team, you do it. Like, that's my that's my view. Yeah, I think the way that this team could have been upgraded immensely was to have Max Meyer on that flight and in the opening day bullpen. I thought that that was just a slam dunk of a thing that would make the team so yeah. much better. You Like you said, those five guys in the rotation, all of them are more than deserving. A lot of them would be third spot in the rotation or higher on many other teams. Mm -hmm. But I imagine having that right-handed Josh Hader come out of the bullpen in San Francisco when you need it. Let's say Eliezer, <laughs> that fastball slider combination followed by Max Myers' fastball slider combination. And I agree with you. Up. Like his his fa he, you could call him up right now, and he would be dominant. a legit great reliever. I think He'd like that's dominant. that's how I feel. It's all a question of how do you manage an arm like that, and like not to like, but I don't believe Max Meyer has had Tommy John yet in his career at any point. And no. so like as messed up as this is to say, everybody's a ticking clock. Like every single pitcher, it feels like is going to have Tommy John at some point in their lives. Yeah. And so like there's, there's an argument to be made. Hey, just bring him up as a reliever. Let him pitch until he blows out his arm and then bring him back as a starter later on. Or, you could say, hey, we need to be careful here and we don't want to mess with this guy yeah. too much who we believe, and I think all three of us on this Zoom believe, and I believe the Marlins believe, is going to be an, like an ace someday. And so maybe you see more of a, a David Price situation happen, right? Where again, if the Marlins are in it, that's when you bring him up to be a reliever. Even if the starters are doing well, you bring him up to be a part of that bullpen even though he's a future starter because, right. hey, we got to make a push down the stretch. And rather than trading a bat for a reliever, we're just going to call up one of our own and make our team better, right? Yeah. Like, that's something you could see. But again, it's with Max Meyer, it's all very dependent on what the team's record is at different stages of the season where you could or would see him. And I think the the biggest, the best example of this was Shane Boz. Not just he, mm -hmm. he didn't come in the bullpen, but if I'm correct, he was a starter. He started for the Rays, and he was a big part of that playoff team that, if I'm correct, got to the ALDS against the Red Sox and then lost. So mm -hmm. that's a great example there. And then it, it, I, Kyle Seeloff mentioned this on, on the radio. You've probably heard it, Isaac. The Angels are doing this, the six-man rotation. Is that mm -hmm. something that you would like to see? And then you add either an Eddie Cabrera or a Max Meyer at some point or Max Meyer in the bullpen. I think that's probably the best way right now. But if, if you're going to the trade deadline, Miami is five games over 500. Pablo's just lights out. Eliezer's having a great season. Do you think that's something that the Marlins should do? And let's say, let's add another, let's just add another dominant arm of Max Meyer. And let's, and let's, let's just do this. Let's go for it. Hey, you know, first of all, I'm loving these hypotheticals because <laughs> this is the best part about the day before the baseball season, right? Yep. Is that everybody can do this. Every single team can have their like best case scenario conversations and they're realistic because 
baseball is one of the weirdest sports in the world. And you, the Giants can win 100 games last year. You know what I mean? Like, like that's what's so wonderful about, about all of this. And so, to me, I think that actually sounds like a great idea, right? Particularly when you do have Trevor Rogers in his second full season of a real workload, hopefully working a little bit more. You got Pablo Lopez, who, let's be realistic, has struggled to make it through a number of seasons healthy. You got Sandy, who's thrown a lot of innings and plans to throw a lot more. Eliezer's a guy who, you know, it, it, it. I don't imagine that workload is really an issue for him because he's 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 not throwing as often. But I don't think it's going to hurt you if he's throwing a little bit less. And then Jesus Lazardo, another young guy who's never pitched a full season. So adding a sixth starter simply to reduce the innings of everybody else would be something that would make sense for this team later in the season. And I feel that way if if they're competing, right? Like, cause that's, that's the key part here, right? Where it's like, if they're competing and so it is, Hey, all, all five of you, you're pitching through the full season and we want you pitching, you know, into the playoffs possibly. Then adding that six starter would make sense. Even if it wasn't somebody as elite as Max Meyer, like it would make sense. Even if it was just, Hey, we're going to throw Dan Castano in here as another guy. Cool. No, no Italian, no Italian stallion. I don't mean that. I hold on. I like Dan Castano. That was not meant as slander. That no, was just meant. <laughs> that was not meant as slander. That was meant just specifically not to use the name Max Meyer. Right, the right. premise being, if it was him or Braxton Garrett or whoever, like if the Marlins were to decide in July, hey, looks like we're competing. Let's let's tra- let's trade for another arm and add him to yeah. the rotation, or let's bring up one of our own guys. Either way. It would make sense, right, to try to use that as a means to reduce innings for your starters rather than doing the spot start thing and having them skip starts. You just add an extra day of rest to the rotation, and automatically there's probably one less start for each guy, um, if not more, you know, depending on how long you do it. So, yeah, I think it would make a lot of sense. Like, But it, it is simply dependent on how good the team is because if – and this is even if they're hanging around, right, because like – they don't have to be right in the thick of a race. They've just got to be within striking distance of getting back into a yep. race. Um, because I think this season, the Marlins will operate that way of like, Bye. all right, we're, we're like, we're trying to get there period. Yeah. Right. So if we're near it, we're not going to now use that as a means to break things down. We're going to use that as a means to build things up. And that's, that's sort of the hope here. That's what they started with this off season. You would think they're in position, particularly with what that farm system is to continue to upgrade if need be come the trade deadline um so i think i think that's a a wonderful idea i mean now let me on on principle say i hate the way that we baby arms and i think it's all dumb and everybody should be throwing 100 innings every month and just overthrowing and every game starters coming out after five innings drives me completely insane but god when it's like four and a third and we act like that's a good thing oh my god but (laughs) but that said, yes, in the way that we need to manage arms in in the concept of Major League Baseball, the Marlins would be smart uh, to do something like that. Especially since a guy like Elias is a little bit injury prone. Pablo hasn't yeah. been able to pitch a full season. And then the last hypothetical I want to you know ask you here is let's move Elias to the bullpen. A guy who doesn't yeah. pitch too many innings injury prone. Add Max Meyer. You yeah. know, even if he's the fifth starter on the team. Is that something that you would be for? Because that's Eliezer, that's something that we've been, I think, talking for about even since before the lockout, since he had his second injury, 
with Pittsburgh, like saying, let's move him over to the bullpen so he doesn't risk injury. Although, to be honest, that injury in Pittsburgh was, you know, he was running the bases. Yeah, I mean, things things can be a little fluky. But I would yeah. say um, I do think and I do it myself because of of all of the biases that I literally just told you like a minute and a half ago. I think sometimes we don't appreciate how good Eliezer actually is. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a very good pitcher, and he's and he's improved a lot every time he's either come back from injury or just like gone into the next season. He he's good, and he continuously improves upon his game. And so until I see him struggle, or you know, not prove that he can sort of play the role that the Marlins have him, you know, penciled to play. I'm not so quick to move him. That said, of course he would be. I mean, it, it would make a lot of sense that he would be a, a good reliever. Like it, it. I know that I don't believe the numbers in his career so far as a reliever indicate that. They're not good. But I think if there was a a legitimate move there, um. Oh, hey, is there any chance that I could pause with you guys real quick and answer a phone call? Yeah. Is that okay? I'm sorry. You're good. Just you're give good. me one sec. One sec. I'm going to just sort of throw out one more hypothetical at you, and then we're going to get into some of the rule changes really quickly. Do it. That's all right. Do it. All right. I think we've all sort of maybe grown even fonder of Max Meyer. So Miami's <laughs> in it. Is it like a slam dunk? Hell yeah, do it. Or like you'd be a little reserved about trading Max Meyer for Brian Reynolds. He'd be the main part of the deal. Let's see what type of year he has. Who? I don't know. Uh, Both of them. Like both of them. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I like, look, Reynolds they, is doing his thing. Myers doing his thing. Yeah, Myers I mean, look, out. right. It, but so the question would be, right? Like, if, so if the Marlins are in it, why? Who's performing well? Who's keeping them in it? Uh, is center field still a detriment? Is the outfit like because if they're performing well right. and they're winning a lot of games, then I would have to think that maybe that isn't looking like a big deal, right? And right. so why would you give up your you know, young ace prospect to upgrade at something you don't necessarily need in the same way anymore. So now, like now what starts happening is when you look at then other prospects and you start going, okay, who can we add to the bullpen? So is it calling up our prospects or is it trading some of those prospects for, you know, those, those, you know, guns in the bullpen that the good teams stack up on right like that's what ends yeah. up happening every year is that the, the trade deadline like 25 relievers get traded to four teams and you know that, that those teams stack up and that's the end of it so I, I would say look i wouldn't be apprehensive to doing it if it was the thing that was going to put you over the top that right. that yeah hell yeah like a hundred percent if you're in the position where you're competing for a playoff spot and you believe that trading for Brian Reynolds or Cedric Mullins or whoever, right? A big upgrade, a big splashy move at the deadline to get yourself that star center fielder. That's going to be the piece, right? Do it, make the move because you only get so many shots at it. Um, especially when you're anchored by a young pitching staff. Um, the, the argument, obviously, on the flip side would be there's so many of these dudes that it's like it, you yeah. could do one thing, right? You could trade them to get the piece to try to compete and do it right now. Or you can go 
there's so much of it that we're going to be anchored by this young staff like the Braves were for a decade and it's all going to be fine and Sandy Pablo and Trevor forever and every supplementary piece from there and like sure you could like a hundred percent you could you could think that and behave that way as well so there's like there's multiple schools of thought I'm always of the belief that you chase it when you got a chance yeah um so if the Marlins are in it and and that splashy move is the one to make make it pull the trigger um why not you know I and I guess that's also that's operating from having grown up around you know the 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 one team that was winning very consistently in this market was the Miami Heat and they were always the aggressive types yeah. Uh, when it came to to landing players, now most of the time that was in free agency or or other things. But even with some of those role players that they needed to acquire deadlines, they would get aggressive about it. They didn't care about giving up picks. They didn't care about giving up the future. It was hey, we can win right now, so why not try to win right now? No different than what they did this year and every other year, otherwise. So um, I think the Marlins are are now in that mode, right? And so if if it comes down to the deadline and they think hey, there's a move we can make that would put us over the top to make a run. I think they would do it. No, I, I hope you're right. And I appreciate, you know, the, the great answer you gave because it, it's not black or white anymore. You know, I think Max Meyer really in the spring training, you know, performance and obviously his opening day start last night mm-hmm. is really, it's going to be tough when and if he ever does get dealt for that, you know, supplementary. And, and operating in the gray is what allows all of us to do our jobs, right? Exactly. Like that's what's fun is that exactly. there's not necessarily right now, like any move, like what's fun about this job is that if like, if they made that move tomorrow, I could, <laughs> easily come on here and probably argue either side of it All right. like because that's that's and that also shows you that it's probably like that's why it had some real smoke right because it is a pretty like a, it's a good move for both teams theoretically yeah. and so yeah. that's why like that's why those things happen that's why they get to certain points on these conversations because everybody involved knows it would be beneficial probably to both of us but both teams get scared of the repercussions on both of their players like it's it's easy to get concerned on either side too so that's what's so fun about all this stuff like yeah. I, and yeah. theoretically if meyer was on that rotation if if they made that move and meyer goes to pittsburgh he'd be in the pittsburgh's rotation at right now in my opinion at least they don't have what he would be that many their best options. pitcher he'd like be their the whole best organization. i mean like i don't mean to i mean like isn't isn't like in one of my favorite pitchers last year, but I'm pretty sure Zach Thompson's like their one or two, right? Moment, He's their yeah. best pitcher. Max, My- Max, best Meyer- Max Meyer would instantly be their like best essentially pitch. their ace, like immediately, yeah. which is why it's like, so wh- that's why like sometimes I wanted everybody to kind of like take a deep breath for a second. Cause I think we did all get a little caught up in like move, 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 trade, 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 trade. Like it's so easy. Cause it's also like, there was there was all this pent up emotion of essentially like when Starling was traded, it felt like it was now like oh okay so the season's over, <laughs> like right like it went from like a team that was yeah. playing okay and was out of it and we all knew it but it was like now oh okay so like they're out of it like yeah no more Duval no more Martin like that's it they're gone so season's over. And so there was so much anticipation for the offseason. And then the lockout happened in the middle of their offseason. Yeah. So we we overanalyzed half of the moves and got so antsy and came up with all these different scenarios in our heads as to what they should do or could do or would do. And half the people went into the lockout thinking they should trade for one guy and came out of it totally sold they should trade for another or that they shouldn't trade at all. Right? Because we just spent two months talking. 
And so I am like, I'm not grateful. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm grateful they didn't make the move because blank. But I am like, I think what it is, is it has allowed us now in the last couple of weeks to kind of remind ourselves oh yeah, there's a reason why Max Meyer was such a big deal. He's no longer just like, a, oh, a thing to get me the fun, shiny object right. of Brian Reynolds. Like, oh yeah, that's what Max Meyer actually is, yeah. you know? And so like, I think, and, and that's what Khalil Watson actually is. And that's what Edward Cabrera actually is. Like all these guys that had been floated within it, it's real easy when there's no baseball going on to kind of forget what their ceilings are. And so it makes it more fun now too. Cause there's this tease all year long of the, will they, won't they of, of Brian Reynolds somewhere along the way. Ready for the it's kind of fun. I yeah, like it. Yeah. yeah it's going to be fun. And one of the, obviously the, one of the reasons that we were in the lockout, a bunch of the CBA. And so we come out of it and there are three main rule changes. I sort of want to get your opinion. on. we'll go over each of them quite briefly. The first one's the universal DH. We no longer have to see Sandy Alcantara swing a bat, thankfully. And we don't want to see Tyler glass now just take pitches I personally, I think I'm a traditionalist in the most sense, too. but I think this one, it, it needed to happen. I don't need to see Eliezer break his, you know, tear a hamstring going to first base. I think this was, you know, I think this was the right time for it. <sighs> RIP, the pitchers yeah. hitting. I, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite uh, conversa- conversations, I was only there a couple times this spring. Um, I wish I could have been there more, but I, you know, Heat, Panthers, such uh making excuses it's ridiculous stop making excuses uh but anywho i was uh it was me and daniel alvarez uh with i think it was daniel alvarez who was there with with trevor rogers and he was like yeah man at least i got my two hits you know and i was like yeah you could have been moonlight graham you could have come up not gotten a hit and then imagine this is what i was thinking about imagine being a national league pitcher who pitched like one or two seasons in the last couple of years and didn't get a hit and so you had a couple of years of opportunities to get a hit, never thinking in any of those at-bats, oh, this might be the last time I have a chance to get my first big league hit. And then they implement the universal DH, and you play another 10 years. And forever, <laughs> you have to you be in the major leagues. You can have a great major league career, but you never got the hit, and you had a chance. You're oh. not one of the dudes who came up after the DH. You had your chance before and forever. You're just going to have to sit there and go, I'm never going to get a chance to step back into that batter's box. I've been thinking about those guys. But other than that, it's definitely the right move. Um, I Look, I'm like, I love the National League style of play. To me, the benefit of the extra level of strategy uh, was something that to me, like, I, I miss. Now, we've gotten to this stage of baseball where pitchers are just so good and... And so dominant in their stuff is so nasty that like there's no there's no like it, it can hurt the pitchers who are hitting like right. it, it's beyond now just like a conversation about the aesthetic of the game. This was more a decision that I think they made because they were like, we just can't afford to have these commodities who were worth hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes going out there and risking injury over something that the benefit is not enough. Right. Like yeah. they're not good enough. I don't like it from a style of play perspective because exactly. to me, baseball is a game of chess. And like the idea that you have to both offensively and defensively work around certain spots of the order is fun for me. And I also like, I think it's selfish as a pitcher. I think I'm also, I think of it, I everything right. I think of is from a pitcher perspective. Right. But I'm like, man, the fact that they don't get that break of just one hitter that they can kind of just throw a few curveballs to and know it's going to be an out. 
Like <laughs> I like I and it like there's something about that that that's kind of what baseball is. But yeah. at the same time, from an entertainment perspective and from like wanting to grow the game and make things more enter- more entertaining and also more competitive and save your pay. Like all of those reasons give you the reason to implement the DH. And so ultimately I am glad they did it, but I am going to miss the seventh inning double switch. Like I'm just going to miss it. Um, And you know, it's, it's a part of, of now a baseball lexicon that like, we're all going to have, we're all going to remember it, but we're like the last, we're like the last group of people who are going to have like grown up with it. And now the next generation of kids is going to have no idea. Like p- pitchers used to hit. Yeah. Pitchers hit. That's crazy. Why would pitchers hit? That's nuts. You know, they're going to think of it as like a completely insane concept. So uh, to me, you know, it, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm glad always, it happened, but I'm, I'm going to miss it. I, I've been such a fan of the National League style of play. You know, it's such a different game. It's such a different, you know, strategy for a manager. And like, like my dad likes to tell me, Shaquille O'Neal can have someone else shoot his free throws. So why, yeah. why shouldn't Pablo Lopez go up and have to hit, even though he's ironically the, probably the yeah, best. He's probably a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not the best example there. Kevin, are you on the same boat as, as Jeremy and I? Yeah. You know, it, it, we're going to miss seeing, trying to see Pablo getting that first homer. Um, <laughs> Sandy probably, you know, making that happen. If we all remember, you know, Adam Simber with almost his RBI winner, he would have oh, had a walk off oh, yeah. against the Mets. Um, yeah, no, but I think the happiest person right now should be Garrett Cooper, who's going to be able yeah. to finally play DH and not have to go at first and risk an injury. Not even that. He's going to be able to go back to his 2020 self, hopefully, and have a mm-hmm. dominant season like he did. So, I'm all for the DH, you know, having Eliezer get injured was one of the worst yeah. things that happened because he had such yeah. a good start in Pittsburgh and seeing yeah. him get injured because of base running is just, it, it sucks. You know, I'll <sighs> miss pitchers hitting, you know, we all, we got to see Jose Fernandez hit two bombs. Yeah. Um, Dontrell Willis was one of the good pit, bad pitchers. We got a couple of the great bad. ones in the last, like in, in the last decade, we did get a couple of the great. In, in the Marlins itself yeah. too. If you remember, Jose came in as a designated hitter, if I'm correct, but, or a pinch hitter at some point. Yeah, in Definitely. Atlanta, and he got the RBI. If, 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 it was a double. I don't know if it was an RBI, <laughs> but he made it happen. So I'll miss it, but I think we should be pretty happy with it now, having different options. And that was a good point about from a Marlins perspective. Like, this is great for the Marlins. Like, God, yeah. they more than, more than, I don't want to say more than other teams, right? Because everybody gets <laughs> the Phillies only have DHs. So it's 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 good for them that there's at least one spot for those guys wrong. to go. Right. But but I mean, seriously, like there's not a lot of teams based off of where their roster was going into the offseason that bene- yeah. that could have benefited more from just adding the DH to give them that spot. So there wasn't the redundancy of Jesus Aguilar and Garrett Cooper, like being able yeah. to put both of those guys in the lineup every single day almost is something that like is great for the Marlins and being a DH hopefully should help Coop's durability. I mean, it's so funny the whole Cooper durability thing, because most of his injuries are like really freak injuries. Like one of them, he was hit on the hand and it broke his hand. And it was like, there's so many of these that have been kind of like weird injuries, but when they happen consistently enough, then you, you just have to start to kind of like view it that way. Um, And so hopefully he can just, stay healthy and have a really great year from that DH spot. And it, obviously that would be hugely beneficial for the Marlins to be able to add a guy like Garrett Cooper for the full 162. Right. And I say, and I say good many options because let's say you put BA in left field for a day and one of the, Oh yeah. Goes, you know, and 
you could put Soler in there at DH, and that would be a great option. He was the DH for the, Absolutely. the Braves for a good amount of time as the first hitter, so mm-hmm. that's another one there. You could even put Aguilar in there, who's done well. So you have a lot of options, especially in such a, a you know such an upgraded bench from last season to this season. Wendell could fit in that spot if you ever want to play him there at some point and not in the infield. So, so you have a lot of options to go there, not just Cooper. I mean, think about what you because because you I mean you've mentioned it here the, the depth of this team now and the positional oh, flexibility is great. Better. It's a lot better. Like it it the fact that Joey Wendell can play all three infield positions, you know, second, short, third. You got Miguel Rojas who can play all three of those positions. You got all Jazz four. Chisholm who right yeah four, I mean four. really all four. You got you got Brian Anderson who I I believe could play first base if needed. Um, right. I don't think that they would do it, but I believe oh, that he yeah. could. Right, they put him in center field. We right, I mean, if they put right, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I like, and again, if we're doing the Chris Bryant thing, like, I believe he could play. Like, he's athletic enough to do it, but that wasn't really the point. He's playing third, and he's playing all three outfield positions. De La Cruz is playing all three outfield positions with the DH. You've now got a first baseman and a DH who are now interchangeable there. But you've got both corner outfielders who can DH. They can also. More so, Avisael can play both corners, more so than Soler can play both corners. But still, you've got that versatility, and Jesus Sanchez is playing all three outfield positions, like it, or at least is capable of it. We know he can play right and left, and he's going to play center. So you've got all of these guys who can be maneuvered in all of these different ways throughout your order, and it can allow you to do a lot more matchup-based stuff, and it allows you to then come off the bench with these other players earlier in the game as well, just to be beneficial to your team, not as subs because you now need a sub because somebody got hurt or because, you know, there's some bad, you know, whatever in the fifth inning, you can make the decision to bring in Brian Anderson as a pinch hitter for just about anybody, because someone yeah. on the field is going to be able to shift around. Everybody's yeah. going to be able to shift around and play other positions. Sort of like what we initially saw years ago with Joe Madden and the Cubs or obviously the Rays. So yeah. just the idea that now the Marlins are in a position where when they, they bring guys off the bench, you know, on opening day, there's a righty on the mound, right? So if Joey Wendell starts at third base, the Marlins can come off the bench with Brian Anderson, John birdie and Brian De La Cruz. <laughs> Pain well. That's so much better than it was. Those three guys all started a lot of games. Like, and and should have, like, but those are three good baseball players who were just yeah. all on the bench and yeah. options for you. And one of them can play, both of them, theoretically. Uh, multiple can play center field, theoretically. Uh, if anything, actually, kind of all three, weirdly, somehow are capable of playing center field. Uh, and then you've got a couple that are playing corner outfield positions, a couple that can play in the infield. That's great, man. That's that's really wonderful to have. And to have that flexibility is important. And I just think that, like, no, the Marlins didn't go get any specific splashy bat. But now, like, there are 11, right, if you go with all eight starters and then those three guys, 11 solid Major League Baseball players in the Marlins lineup. Like, that's that's great. And that's you not know? even counting Peyton Henry, who I chose as a break. Hey! Shout out Peyton Henry, huh? Yeah. He had a good spring. Yeah, he, he did have a good uh, spring. He's good. I don't know. He might be good. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Might be a solid backup catcher, right? That's all you need out of him. He just needs to be exactly. a solid backup catcher for your gold glove catcher. Exactly. And I should have yeah. known that the DH conversation maybe would have you know gone into a longer conversation, especially <laughs> with this team, like Kevin mentioned. The next one, the last one I want yeah, to mention. Sorry really, about that. But no, no, it's good. no, it's a great one. And the last, thing, the last one I do want to bring up is the extra inning rule. 
it wasn't originally going to be there implemented for this year, but you know, last second changes. It is starting the tenth inning. There will be a runner on second base. Personally, I hate it. I, I really it. don't like it. Yeah, I either. loathe it. I don't. It's just so weird to me. I would have been really okay with it if it had started maybe the twelfth inning. I think that would have made a little more sense. But right away, nine innings are over. You will have a ghost runner on second base. Like I said, I don't like it, Jeremy. I the twelfth inning would be cool with me. Right, yeah. like play the tenth and the eleventh as extra innings, and then if if you need to kind of speed it up from there, that's fine. Throw a guy on yeah. second base, but play baseball. Um, and and, baseball. and don't get me wrong, like I'm all for coming up with ways to make the game more entertaining. Exactly. Um, and I actually think that weirdly, what would be more almost more fun, um, would be if you put a guy on first base, uh, because then yeah, because then it's sacrifice flies. That's it. Well, it's it, right because if you, you second, right, if you if you put them on second, it's a couple of sacrifice flies. If you put That's them on right. if you put them on first, then there's the bonds and is somebody bunting to get them over to get the one out, and then there's also or are you just going to is this going to make extra innings a game of athleticism? Which is all right, we got to extras. Who's the fastest guy on the bench? Go try to steal <laughs> second. <laughs> like how fun is that? That's the best. Yeah. The, there's there's I would argue that there is nothing better in all of baseball entertainment than when everybody in the stadium knows a dude's going to try to steal second. And everybody's waiting to see that pitcher lift his front leg and watch the like five seconds that's about to happen. That's one of, to me, one of the most electric times in baseball is when you know in a big moment that dude is going to try to steal a base. Remember when was it Gerard Dyson who was on yeah. Kansas City yeah. and they yeah. would bring him in every game in the eighth inning and the ninth inning. Anytime somebody got second, on first base, he, he would steal second, he would steal third, right? How fun would it be if yeah. that's what extra innings were? And it ultimately then kind of influenced your roster as a result. You might keep right. a guy who had like some Monte. speed. But yeah, gosh, like Monte. Um, the but, Angels. Yeah, man. Shout out Monte. Um, but I just think that like, if you're, if you're doing it for entertainment sake, that would be the more entertaining thing to do. Yeah. If you're doing it for, we just got to get out of here sake, then fine. Throw a guy on second base. But yeah, I would prefer if you did it in the 12th. Yeah, it would be like the intentional Dave Roberts thing, you know, steal off Mariano and get driven. That's home, the you know? most, this is what I'm saying. Those are. We're talking about Gerard Dyson and Dave Roberts as baseball play. They were not good baseball. I mean, <laughs> Dave Roberts was a fine baseball player, yeah, but Roberts like, right. but like those dudes were dominant baseball players, and they, the, our memories of those guys are seared in our heads forever. Yeah, because those are the most exciting plays in baseball. So to me, if you were trying to make it more entertaining in extra innings as a means to stick around. Right. Yeah. As a means to continue to watch it, because it's not about, hey, let's get out of here, because that's that's not the point. The point should be that the best team wins. Yeah. Right. And so if you want to make it more entertaining to give people a reason to stick around, that's what it is. Make it this yin and yang. It's always great when you don't know what's going to happen. So a team could choose to lay down a bunt, then pinch run. A team could pinch run and try to steal. There's so many different options or a team mm-hmm. could just ground into a double play. And now exactly. the next team has their advantage to go into the next inning. So. Anyway, that's yeah, my rant. So if a team decides not to pinch run and the guy just hits a home run, okay, you see. Yeah, it's, it's over, run, right? Like, like, it doesn't matter, it's right? Uh, anyway. yeah, no, I, I'm definitely going to quote this uh, podcast, the tweet for it, and say, like, Jeremy Tache, best rule, 
invention of all time. I think that's definitely the way to awesome. go. Awesome. I'm glad we're in on it. I'm glad we're in on it. I, based on your facial expressions, Kevin, I, I assume you you concur. I, I hate the rule right now. 12th inning sounds perfect to me. Mm-hmm. And I love Jeremy's rule. Um, Rob Manfred needs First to call thing. you like right now to make this I, happen. I'm just, I don't understand how nobody went, hey, wait. <laughs> we, saw, we saw what it is on second. But what if we put him on first? Yeah. <laughs> like nobody, nobody would have a job. Somebody, man, if you want fireworks, that's the way to do it. And that's when you look at the rule right now, I look at Miami versus Blue Jays 2020. That, oh that my God, game where yeah. Cervelli hit the homer uh-huh. right after the oh, inning. That was it. Uh-huh. Marlins lost. Uh-huh. That perfect extra innings rule. Miami is really bad in extra innings too. When when they when the man was on second base, especially which was so away. bizarre. Which it's, was so- it's like an advantage. The home yeah. team has the advantage in extra innings because you yep. get the second chance for the for the away team to have a possible chance. You need to at least score two to three runs to have right. a good chance. Yeah, they, they have to go into. That wasn't going to happen for the Marlins. They didn't have right. to get off the team. Which is right. why putting a guy on first is more fun for everybody. There we go. I totally agree. The, the heartbreaking one that sticks out to me was that I think Washington game that Miami did. They they go for the bunt as the road. Oh, team. you remember the that? Uh huh. And just you know, first batter uh-huh. Schwarber walks it off. It's like that's not the way you lose a game. Like it was so going for one run when you're the road team when you know Schwarber's leading off the next freaking inning. Guys, I can't wait for baseball. Yeah, this is so geez, great. Wow, <laughs> this is great. The Red Sox awesome. I'm giddy. Uh, we'll have it soon. I guess the, the last question, you know, about baseball anyway, that I'm going to ask you is just sure. any surprise major league teams that you see making the biggest jump, you know, for any last the first teams besides Miami, of course. Yeah, other than uh, Miami. Other teams that have you have your eye on. Man, that's it's a good question. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm like proud of myself for even knowing what's going on with the Marlins right now. So I am doing a little catch up on on that's everybody right. else. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like I'm as informed as I will be in probably 48 hours from now. <laughs> um, like legit, I'm about to do a crash course. Um, but I would say what's most interesting to me, to be honest, and you actually just mentioned them, the team that I'm most interested to watch this year is the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. Like I, I, I cannot wait to see the encore to the sort of breakout seasons of a number of guys over there. And Vlad Jr. is as fun of a hitter. I mean, to me, he's like as as must watch of a right-handed hitter as we've had like since Miggy was in his prime. Like it's it's and and I know Mike Trout is obviously like a must watch hitter, but he's a robot who doesn't exist from this planet. So when I'm talking about someone who like who like, yeah, I have to watch Mike Trout every time because he's just going to do the perfect thing every time. But when I'm when I'm talking about watching, you know, this entertainment, um, I'm so into Vlad and and what he's going to do this year. Um, and I just think the fact that they they clearly like it's always cool when there's a team in that division that decides no, no. We're not going to back down to what it is that the Yankees and the Red Sox do. And the Rays do that, but in a different way, right? Like the Rays do it. They're never going to spend and they're just going to do it in their weird way where they're now like trading Austin Meadows as a salary dump. Like they're going to just they're going to figure out their thing and it's going to be its own dynamic. Right. But when a team says all right, we've got our core. We're now, we're going to make trades. We're going to spend. We're, they got George Springer last year. They're bringing in guys this, like, right at Matt Chapman this year. They're yeah. they're doing a lot to try to improve their team. And and 
that's always fun for me when someone kind of tries to ch to chat when either essentially the Orioles or the Blue Jays try to make a run at it. Um, yeah, that's fun for exactly. me. And and it, 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 I know maybe that's a little East Coast bias here, but um, I'm excited to see what, what happens over there in that division. Kevin, what's your team? <sighs> Toronto is a good one. Yeah. I was thinking Chicago at first, if they'd gone Carlos Correa, that would have been a very scary team. But man, I like the Minnesota Twins. They were one of the worst teams last season. You get Correa, you got Sonny Gray, you got some pitching, you, you got Chris Archer. Nothing crazy, but and you re-signed Byron Buxton to what was it, a five or six year deal? Five if he stays healthy, Minnesota is gonna be a scary team. I agree. I agree completely that they have the opportunity to be. And I also am sitting here and I'm like, man, the way that all that was structured with Correa sure, put, sure puts them in a good position to be the 2012 Marlins. Oh. So if they don't get off to a good start, trade them. Hey, Miami, you interested in Byron Buxton? Hey, oh. everybody else, are you interested in one year of Carlos Correa because he'll opt out after this year and go back on the market? and rebuild from there it's like what and i guess that's actually the thing about minnesota that is so intriguing to me is that they have an opportunity to be really 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 good and yeah. also have the easy outs that contract that they signed with correa is like the most movable thing in the world yeah. and byron buxton it wasn't like earth shattering money no so again a, a sort of movable contract of a guy like that at least at this point if they wanted to move on, like they made their commitment so that they could keep him. But remember, I mean, before that, everybody was just assuming that they were going to try to move on. He was one of the guys that had sort of been floated as a center field option possibly here. Yeah. So like, yeah. I, I'm just like, I'm fascinated by that team. I know we're just yeah, like no, rambling now a, off the cuff, but I, it's just an interesting thing to keep an eye on. It is. Yeah, it's it's a a uh, you know, Buxton, if he wasn't going to get a lot of money, he was injured throughout most of this, his seasons in the MLB and his one, productive season where he played like 120 something games oh, he was amazing he was okay he was okay yeah. and that's the thing with buxton it's uncertain mm -hmm. but you know you made that trade with the yankees it was a pretty okay trade i mean you got gary sanchez a catcher I, yeah I like, I like mitch garver a little more about that. i think yeah man that was a great I, trade too geo shella they're good yeah they're good they're good and the one other team i'm gonna give a shout out to are the Los Angeles Angels. That team got really pretty. That got that team got pretty good. You added Syndergaard. You added some good pitching depth in there. You re-signed oh, Rysel Iglesias. That team looks pretty good. Yeah. And, and I'll say they addressed what they needed to. Major League Baseball needs that team to do well. And just so you know, so we're clear, Byron Buxton got seven years, a hundred million dollars. And what does you know? <laughs> your that's it. That's nothing, bro. Yeah, that's, that's, not that's nothing. Don't change. Hey, I mean, that? the AAV is not bad. Like, really that's all bad. I'm saying is like, if there's right. like the type of franchise that existed that would be interested in having a player like that for that type of length, would be my it's not an unbelievable contract right. that puts anybody yeah. out of it is the point. And what's interesting is that the AL Central could be like a, you know, potentially good division. And right. Minnesota make a call like that to other teams that are. That's all I'm saying, man. If you know, the, the that's all, I'm just, good. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying things, man. I'm not, I have no, we're over an hour into this. I'm just, I have no sources <laughs> telling me anything about anything. I'm just having fun. We're just having yeah. a good time. And just really, my team would definitely be the Detroit Tigers. I think they're going to take that. that big that's a great step pick. that Miami has lacked that hasn't taken yet. So I definitely think the Detroit Tigers 
Wiley Green, when he's healthy, he's going to be a stud. Spencer Torkelson will be the starting first baseman. Oh. He's going to hit 50. I love he's that guy. Be, he's the best offensive prospect I've seen since I've been following baseball, besides Vlad Jr., of course. So right. that's and something Seattle. Like Seattle's another one. They made some Seattle, big yeah, the Mariners. Be good as well. Switching gears really quick before we end things. I know Kevin's very happy that we're speaking about the Miami Heat. I attend some games. I never tonight. thought this would happen in a million know, years. But we're going to do it anyway. And go Heat. There you Heat. go. I, what Kevin was telling me was that there's no way that Miami faces Brooklyn in the first round. I, I wasn't too aware of these play so, rules. Right. So ridiculous, it's but. possible that they – it's possible. It's possible. Um, the What the reality is right now is that currently Brooklyn is the eight and Cleveland is the seven. Uh -huh. um, with Atlanta and Charlotte, Charlotte. as the 9 and 10. Mm -hmm. um, if things stay as as such, right, if, if that was the way things worked out and Brooklyn was the 8, mm -hmm. the way that the play-in tournament works is that the 7 and the 8 play against each other and the 9 and the 10 play against each other. The winner of the 7 and 8 game is the 7 seed for the playoffs. So... If Brooklyn goes to Cleveland and beats them, which we all would expect they would, yeah. they would face the two seed. The mm -hmm. Heat would then face the winner of a game between Cleveland, uh -huh. the loser uh -huh. of that first game, and the winner of Atlanta and Charlotte. So the winner of the 9-10 game plays the loser of the 7-8 and eight game to be okay. the eight seed. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So... That's it's a little complicated. It's easier when you're looking at the standings right, yeah. in the bracket the than, than what I'm doing here. I'm trying to lay it out for everyone. No, you, um, you laid it out perfectly. Yeah, but, but essentially, uh, that's where the Heat are at. So, I think we're all rooting for Brooklyn to win that playing game. Uh, I don't think... <laughs> I, I think uh, it's not for the faint of heart to go up against the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Do, yeah. I, think that the Heat, do I think that the Heat would beat them? Yes, I do. Do I want to have anxiety every day of no. that entire series no i don't mm. uh I mean, i'd rather not attend that it'd be i would love no, to watch look it it'd be fun right like that's the part of it where it's like if i know at the end of it they're gonna win Fine. then i'm then like go. stoked to to have the tension of the rest of it but if i don't know that they're gonna win and you know and, and, and i believe that they would like the reality is is i believe that the miami heat and i'm not just saying that like i really do believe that the miami heat yeah. would beat Brooklyn in a seven game series. Uh, I just don't think Brooklyn plays enough defense. Like, I just don't think that they do. And Miami could do enough to, to slow down. At least I can't say slow down uh, Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving really m mostly. Lost by but, like 40 last time we played. Yeah, them. but uh, you know, they were losing those games on purpose. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that that was the case, but no. I do think that like, they obviously had to make some changes. They've made those changes. Yeah. Um, And it's made, I mean, I'll tell you, I, there's a possibility here that if the Heat win their last two games, they're riding their longest winning streak of the season into the playoffs, which is right, right. crazy to think about for a team that's been in first place for most of the year. Right, and they're you know pretty much winnable ball games that they have. These oh yeah, games. yeah, they and they just have to win one um, to to clinch the one seed. Oh, okay. so if they okay. right, so if they win, that, that's just where it's at after after last night. So after okay. tonight, I believe actually. I forget what the scenarios are, but there's a scenario where the Heat, I believe their magic number is one. Like, so there, there's an, a, a possibility that they go into Friday and they've already clinched, uh, um, which would obviously be great. But like, it'd be cool if 
if Friday night, even if Friday matters, they play against the Hawks, they win at home, that right. clinches them the one seed, and then they can rest everybody in Orlando on Sunday. Oh, um, magic numbers just mean so much more to me in baseball settings. Oh, know? yeah, for sure, for it's sure. Because like, well, it's every day, right? It's right. every day. So so when I say magic number is one, it's like, all right, tonight. You know, where with – I'm oh, saying the magic number is one for Miami. They don't play for two days. Right. Um, I remember yeah. that one in 2020. Oh, it was incredible. That, incredible. That was and I, one thing that I, I'm obviously not an avid, avid, avid basketball guy. No, just like, obviously, it's, obviously, it's, you know, money incentivized. Just why? There we go. Isn't it? How many is too many playoff teams? I thought that 16 yeah, out of the, 30 was already too much. Obviously, it's money, money. But still, the, yeah, now to play in, I thought that was just annoying. So it, a combination of things. Um, so there's there's two ar- sides of the argument. Um, mm-hmm. One side is obviously like money, 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 and they make money off playoff games, and those games are going to be very highly viewed. On the flip side, I could also say that there's a lot more teams that have to play with integrity through the rest of the season right. past the trade deadline. Because, um, for example, right, Washington, who you see there is the 11. Only in, in the last couple of weeks did they really drop off from having a chance yeah. to be in the tournament. And so once that happened, all right, Bradley Beal, you're out for the year, right? But they didn't trade Bradley Beal at the trade deadline in part because I believe at the time they were the the nine or the 10. So it would have been authentically trading your superstar out of a playoff spot, right? Mm-hmm. Which is non-competitive. Yeah. Um, in, in the Western Conference, you have teams like the Spurs. Spurs are like eight games under 500. They're not a playoff team. Like they're not worthy of being a playoff team. But hey, they've had to play their hardest for the entire season. And so there's an argument to be made that it keeps the integrity of the league intact more with less teams tanking right. the rest of the way through the season. And with more spots, there might be more teams that go into a season and say, hey, you know what? We could we could be a playoff team, yeah. you know? And so, look, you look at what the expanded playoffs have been like in Major League Baseball. I love it. Like, yeah. I, I think it's great because more teams that can get in, the better. And the reality is here, Seven, eight, nine, ten. There's also an argument to be made. In some ways, you're, you're, by adding a ten, like it's bad, right? Like some of these ten seeds are horrible, and they don't really deserve a chance. But at the same time, seven and eight were already like ninety nine percent of the time the the one and the two seeds are winning. So the idea that there's a chance that they're knocked out immediately like you're not rewarding being the eighth best team in the conference you're just creating something that's really entertaining for the fans and skimming a little bit off the top and bringing something up from the bottom i don't mind it um so yeah i mean it's made the season more entertaining for all those teams right there in the middle that's that's for sure right you know like and even for example the heat were playing like this week the heat were playing for the one seed they played against charlotte in other scenarios, Charlotte might not be in. I mean, I guess it's pretty close in this play-in scenario, but mm-hmm. you're getting an authentic performance from these teams. Yeah, that's true. And the play-in is what, a one-game? Just one game. game. Yeah, one it's, game. It's, it's so like you're looking at it now. Seven and eight will play each other. Nine and ten will play each other, yeah, right? Okay. Winner winner of – well, and then one more game. Right. Because the, right. the loser and the winner of those. And that's it. So it's three okay. total games. All right. Um, I'm glad it's not another seven-game series. No, that'd be crazy. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense. These aren't authentic playoff teams. Like if you don't get, if you don't get, it's just like, I think, I mean, I guess it's a little different, but like to me, if you don't get to the 64 in, in March madness, I don't care that you were in that play in game. Right. You're not a tournament team. This right. is kind of the same way. If you're, even if you're the, 
it's hard, I guess, if you're the seven seed. But like if you're the seven or the eight seed and you lose that first game to these teams, like you weren't a playoff team. I wouldn't view that as a playoff season. It was one game. So right. that's at least how I, I look at it at this and point. And I think the best example is the Western Conference. All those playing teams at the moment, they're a good amount of games under five. Oh, they're bad. Yeah, they're bad. Those are 11 games under. Yeah, they're bad. Like those teams are bad. At least just the East, yesterday. Yeah, just at yesterday, least the, East the Lakers good. were in it. Just yesterday, yeah, the Lakers were in it. And they were like, 12 games under five. Yeah, there you have yeah, it. Yeah, horrific. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really not good. Like, out there, it's it's rough. But at the same time, right? Like, man, you if... You never if, know. If, but also, like, think about, like, Le, like, LeBron James probably ended up playing maybe 20 more games this season <laughs> than he might have otherwise. He might have been hurt for the... Might have had a bad ankle or something. And so all these fans all across the country got to see LeBron James play in person now got to see him play against their team like i know that that but like that's part of this right is making sure that the stars are actually playing through the whole season and because it's become so incentivized to tank mm -hmm. it's it's a way to keep te teams playing sort of authentically yeah that makes total sense and here we are day before the major league baseball season we're talking about some NBA tanking talking, talking about tanking ninth and tenth seeds in the nba Who i love thought? it that on, on Fish Drugs Unfiltered would be discussing LeBron's, you know, trip around America again in what, yeah. this year, what is this year, 20, you're 18 for LeBron? You're 500, feels like he's been yeah, here. Yeah, my, yeah, I mean, like, he has been there my whole life. Uh, 2003, 2003, 2003 was his first so year, 19, you're 19. 19 years, holy yeah. crap, and he's still like good. It's he's crazy. amazing, he's gonna win, he could, he could win the scoring title. He could win him, yeah. Can he? Uh, yeah, oh, this is a fun, wait, last thing I promise, and this okay. is, I know, but, and 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 then I really also really want to you know whatever. But the the way that it's set up, I was listening to a podcast, Basketball Illuminati, and they basically throw out all these like fun little conspiracy theories about things with basketball. And what they talked about is that the way that the schedule works out for Sunday night is there are three guys in competition for the scoring title: Giannis, Joel Embiid, and LeBron. Joel Embiid is 30.3 points per game. LeBron is 30.2. So it's like that close, right? Uh -huh. Joel Embiid plays at 7 o'clock Eastern time. <laughs> LeBron, uh -huh. LeBron doesn't play until 9.30 Eastern time. And so if he plays one of the next two games in the next couple of days, he can go into that night or if he play, rather if he plays both games in the next two days he needs two of the next three games to be able to qualify for the scoring title he needs right. to play oh, two yeah. more games and there's okay. three to play for him okay. so if he plays in the next two games goes into sunday night joel Embiid has a bad game and goes below him in points per game he'll just sit out sunday night's game and win the scoring title sort of like the uh the jose reyes bunt to win the uh to win the the it, National League batting title, that this reminds me of the D Gordon one where he had. Oh, was it D? It was yeah. D Gordon. He homered in the freaking game. Right? Yeah, he, homered, he went through for four and he ended up winning. I think he beat Bryce Harper in the Bryce Harper's MVP. Yeah, see, his was the opposite of the Jose Reyes thing. The Jose right. Reyes thing was that he laid down a bunt for yes. a base hit to take the lead, and then they took him out of the game. Yes. And I was like, come on, he can't right. play the. Re I got it, but that's what the LeBron thing would be. Right. Is he I would see. he would decide. 
now I'm good. Or he would at least know, all right, if I'm going to go out there, I got to score this many points to be able to win the scoring title, which would be really cool entertainment on TV. Imagine it's like the fourth quarter and he needs, there's five (laughs) minutes left and he needs, doesn't matter the score of the game. LeBron James needs 10 more points to be the scoring champion of the league for the year. Would be really cool. Anywho. Quick question, Jeremy. Who is your Miami Heat MVP this season? And there's a lot of options. Oh, man. So it has to be, this is tough. I would say, um, actually, I'll give you a fun answer. PJ Tucker. And the reason reason I say it is, I was going to give you a better one. He's just played a ton of games and he's been there and played his role. And I'm assessing value as, as contributing consistently on every single night. And obviously like the MVP when we do it in the, in the more, you know, rhetorical ways, it would probably be Jimmy um, just because yeah. obviously what his impact is on every part of the game. Um, there's an argument to be made for Tyler and his contributions off the bench. And, you know, realistically he's playing starters minutes and he's scoring right. nearly as much as Jimmy is, Six but Jimmy Butler would, be, Jimmy Butler would be the MVP in the traditional sense of the term. But I, I think that, that PJ is the glue guy. I just wanted to be able to give him love because yeah. I don't know how his body look. He got hurt last night. I don't know how he's going to be in this postseason. But what he did for Miami during this regular season it cannot be it cannot be stated enough how valuable he was to the team and and how yeah. important he was. So and yeah, exactly. See, that's that's my sentiment uh, right here. Uh, a tweet that has been put on the screen says, I would imagine Pat Riley would build a statue for PJ Tucker outside the arena tomorrow. If he could, that was back in February. He's done even more stuff. Cool. Like that yeah. since. So PJ, PJ wow. Tucker in the playoffs, he's going to be a big time piece because he was a big piece from Milwaukee last season and they won it all. Now you just got to hope he can answer. hit those corner threes. I have a pretty fun answer. The Struce is loose. Max my guy, Struce. my guy, Look, Boston, we wouldn't have won that game if it wasn't for Struess and, and his efforts. He's I like played, the MVP opinion, being given out on that game. Dun- he's, no, no. He, he's played better yeah. than Duncan, in my opinion, this season. He's definitely earned starter minutes. He's t- taken the starting role. And and that, I guess that's a good waypoint, too. What are your thoughts on Robinson? You know, this, they gave this man five years, 90 mil. And he's earning yeah, 16 what the heck million. Happened to him? He, he's, he's earning, you know, he's, hey. he's putting up acceptable numbers. In other teams, he would be a good player. You know, he's putting up, I think, 11 right yeah. now. He lives yeah. next to me, bro. He's, like, super nice. He, first of all, first of all, uh, I do think that the, the move to Max Struess was um, needed. It was the yep. move that, that ultimately here in the way that they've re-tinkered with their rotation has made a big difference. Um, and I think in the playoffs, it's going to remain the same. That said, like, Duncan actually hasn't had, like, a bad season. Um, he hasn't been quite the level of elite that you would like him to be he has also had a number of like bad games and so those memories stand out more than the fact that he hit seven of eight threes last night just last night i was about to say like you know what i mean like in in a game that the heat kind of did have to have that they didn't have their whole team that like you know uh so to be in the position that duncan is in it's almost this kind of this is all working out. Like if you want to do the narrative thing, this is all working out perfectly. Right. Mm-hmm. Because Max Struess is an ultra confident guy, but the idea that you're throwing him in here late in the season to be a part of the starting lineup, he's still got to play with that like level of like, all right, whew, I'm here. 
I got to bring it. Like, he's not comfortable in the starting position yet. He knows he's got to play his best basketball to maintain it. Duncan gets to now play with that, like, chip on his shoulder again of, like, nobody thinks I can do it. And that's half the thing that kind of got him to be the five-year, $90 million guy. And the way that it's tinkered with the rotation, the guys who they're playing alongside make more sense and that Duncan is able to just sort of do his thing as a shooter, and they don't need his defense and extra, you know, Max Struess's ability to take the ball off the dribble and make extra passes and things like that, work with the units that they have him in. Um, so to me, it, it just made sense to make the switch. I don't think that it's a referendum on Duncan Robinson, the basketball player. I think that, that he's still very good. I do think that five years, $90 million for a guy that's coming off your bench and might not play that many minutes is obviously something that would make you know, fans or whatever feel a certain way. Way I always look at it is look, man, everybody's playing to about the salary cap and in the NBA. Everybody's doing the same thing. You got your roster for the year. Worry about next year, next year. Like, this is what the roster is. Max Struess could be pretend in your head Max Struess is the guy making 90 million over five years. You'll feel a lot better, right? Like, it's just, it, it's one of those things where to me, I'm just analyzing this team based off of who's on the roster, not based off their salaries, you know? And so ultimately like he's going to make the contribution that they need and they're going to need probably every series. They're going to need a night like what they had last night from Duncan Robinson coming off the bench, shooting the lights out for at least a span of about 12 minutes. So to me, you know, that's, I, I I'm excited to see what this team does in the postseason. I think they're, their nine or so man rotation is 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 about solidified and um it's gonna be really fun isn't there because he had a pretty good game against toronto it was like 21 or 27 but that's a threat off the bench though let's say someone gets injured he you put him in there he could give you 20 a night we're talking about positional depth baby that's what they got that's what marlon's got feeling good even even i'm excited to watch some miami heat playoff basketball but i will be giving all my focus to the miami marlins so don't be confused this is a miami yes. marlins podcast we got a little segue because hey the miami heat are playing phenomenal basketball even i've been paying attention i do attend some <laughs> of the games but i think that's I we're this. gonna wrap wrap it up kevin any last tidbits or notes this was awesome this was probably one of my favorite uh-huh. episodes we filmed i don't care if we went over an hour and 20 which is currently where we're about to hit but man jeremy thank you for being on this was awesome We'll be definitely seeing you around the ballpark. And uh, if you have any last words for for the people watching out here. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, and if you're still watching, thank you for dealing with me for an hour and a half or so. Um, this. this was this was a blast. Uh, you guys are great. Um, so let me just give a shout out to just Fish Stripes in general. You guys do amazing work. And I'm, I'm real, uh, real, real proud to have been able to been here, be here with you guys on this show in particular. Um, just for everybody who is a Marlins fan, if you're looking for coverage, you can follow me at Jeremy Taché. My handle was up for most of the show. Um, and you should follow at Bally Marlins. Um, I work for Bally. We cover the Marlins. You can follow at Swings and Mishes as well. I'm the co-host of Craig Mish's podcast. Um, but also, and this is just as a, as a favor to me, friends, Subscribe to Miami Miked Up. Um, it's my podcast. I think it's good. Uh, it's really I good. really enjoy it, and I think you guys will enjoy it too. Uh, it's 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 interviews most of the time. That's my face. If you're watching, that's the cover of the podcast. Um, but yeah, essentially, I do a long form interview 
uh, just about every week. Right now, we're in the middle of, of all this playoff coverage happening, so there's going to be a lot of conversations about the Heat and the Panthers. But do not worry, there will be Marlins as well. And in fact, Paul Severino is my guest this week. Um, so Paul and I will be previewing the nice. Marlins, Marlins season, talking a little bit about his career. Um, and then on the back end of it, we'll have a little Heat conversation with Tony Fiorentino. But there will be Miami Marlins on Miami Miked Up this season. There will be Marlins players on here. I'm hoping relatively consistently about you know, once a month or so, um, maybe even more than that. So we shall see, but I'm looking forward to all those interviews um, and providing you the best coverage I can digitally here with Bally. So sounds uh, great. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. And I think, you thank know, you guys. Three months from now in early July, we'll be talking about the Brian Reynolds acquisition. Let's come back. I'll come back. I'll come back on and we'll 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 see okay, where yeah. things are at. You are, are definitely a scheduled guest to come back. So we appreciate it. Sweet. For Kevin, for Jeremy, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next in a couple weeks. We gotta end it off right. <laughs>